Here's the challenge we have right now with our listeners. Dave and Ann are talking with Dane about the grace of God. I already know that. Click, go on to the next thing. Hang on a second. If we are thinking to ourselves, I know the grace of God. Let me move on to the next thing. That's proof we don't know it. Mm. We need to understand that the engine, the power to our life as a Christian disciple is surprise. Welcome to Family Life Today, where we want to help you pursue the relationships that matter most. I'm Dave Wilson. And I'm Ann Wilson. And you can find us at FamilyLifeToday.com or on the Family Life app. This is Family Life Today. All right, think back to when you were a mom. I mean, you're still a mom. <laughs> I mean, when the kids were in our, when our boys were in our home and you, you were trying to, you know, lay a foundational truth about God, Jesus, it just hit me. What was it you really wanted them to get? Ooh, that's a good question. That'd be a good question for all of us to think and really act upon. Um, it probably, his love, like if they really understood how much he loves us, how he sees us, probably that. Well, we, why, why do you think I'm even asking this question? Because we have Dane Ortland with us in studio. Dane, welcome to Family Life Today. It is so much fun talking with you guys. Thank you. Well, I mean, obviously, one of the reasons I brought that up is, uh, you know, you were here last time talking about Gentle and Lowly, right. a book you wrote two years ago. Yeah. Yeah, man, you're getting old. <laughs> and that means we're getting we're old, too. Gray area, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that book, I mean... It's transforming. Yeah, and, and again, I don't finish a lot of books. I start no. them and I, I get almost bored. I didn't even finish our book, but your book. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was transformative to what we just talked about, how mm. to view... Christ. Mm. And it was beautiful. And now you've written Surprised by Jesus, which in some ways I was like, wow, I can see it's like mm-hmm. General Lowly was almost a foundational truth. And out mm. of that comes this whole nother look at Jesus. Now you're a pastor in Naperville, right. Chicago suburbs. And so you're preaching on this, you're leading a congregation. How would you answer the same thing? If you think about, you know, what you want people to understand about Jesus. In that book, General Lowly, and in this book, guys, I want people to be on the journey I am on, namely tearing down the natural, intuitive Jesus I think is there. The mm. one I think is there when I roll out of bed every morning, I'm going to do the same thing tomorrow morning, which is not what he's really like, mm. but someone who actually is endless in his uh, love and grace. And to know this is not how you start your Christian life by understanding the good news of the grace of God in Jesus Christ. It is fuel for your Christian life. You then, my son, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, Second Timothy. So, yes, I'm a pastor every week, Dave. All I'm trying to do mm. is help people see Jesus more truly. And so, even as you write this book, is there something that surprised you? Well, <laughs> Yes, and I would say, uh, I'm going to look back, I'm 43. The 53-year-old Dane will look back at the 43 mm. and say, hey, doofus, you, st- <laughs> you still didn't get it. And I'm going to die one day, and I will just have begun to, mm-hmm. I, I'll be dipping my big toes in this ocean 
of grace. What I'm trying to say in this book is when we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you don't find Jesus predictable. There is no reciprocity. Grace is wild. There's almost a chaos to it. It's not something that you can't—there's no math to it. Mm. And so I just—I wanted people to feel free, to get free again, and to be wading into the the glorious uh, liberations of the gospel. Well, so much of what I remember growing up in church, and I didn't really grow up in church, but my mom, single mom, sort of dragged me there. Mm -hmm. But what I remember about elementary school, middle school, high school, and maybe Mm -hmm. this is why the second I got to college, never going back, Mm -hmm. I did not hear that. I heard law. Yeah. Uh, I think there's even some churches hearing you say, I want people to experience freedom would go, whoa, 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 wait, dude, slow down a little bit. Slippery slope. Yeah. So what do you (laughs) you say to that? And I would say I'd add on to this, Dave, is Dave used to describe God as the whack-a-mole. If you have any fun, if you do anything wrong, God's just waiting to whack you. Well, that's what I thought I heard. Yeah. That's what the world believes. Actually, that's what we at reflex level believe the Lord Jesus is like and what God is like. No wonder people hate going to church. Right? <laughs> um, no wonder people walk away. Here's the deal. No one walks away. When they see Jesus for what he's really like, he is irresistible. Mm-hmm. You can't turn and walk away from what he's really like. If he is a list of rules, if he if he's about religion, no way, I'm out. But if he is actually, if he didn't come to to start a new religion, but to end all religion, to say this is not about what you bring to the table, I am going to drag you by the scruff of the neck into paradise, and it is all going to be because of what I have done and am doing in you, and you're along for the ride. That's actually fun Christianity. That's doable. And that's the only kind that will change us way down deep. It's it's not morally lax. Which makes sense when you look at the people who followed him. <laughs> if they had to be religious or if they had to look a certain way or act a certain way, he's not going to meet in John 4 the Samaritan woman at the no. well. No. No, it's those who had just given up. Yeah. Any ability, wherewithal to, okay, I'm amassing a moral resume here and I'm going to somehow leverage my way into God's good graces. It's those who have, have thrown in the towel and said, forget it. it. It's either grace or nothing who like that woman in John 4 or the disciples, I mean, tax collectors, yeah. fishermen. I mean, these guys were screw ups <laughs> and therefore I can relate to them. And they were the ones who whom he called. <laughs> You know, I want to read a a quote from your book, and I want to hear you just elaborate. You're such a good writer. Even this quote, just the way you write, it says, This book is a call to embrace the flooding liberations of the Mm -hmm. gospel all the way down, not Mm -hmm. the decaffeinated grace that pats us on the hand, ignores our deepest rebellions, and doesn't change us, but the high-octane grace that takes our conscience by the scruff of the neck and breathes new life into us with a pardon so scandalous that we cannot help but be changed. Yeah. In other words, what does God do with all of us up and down, fickle, not doing very well, bad Christians? We're Christians. We're his. And we're just not doing very well, which all of us feel that way all the time. All the time. What does God do with those who squander his grace? The answer is James 4, but he gives more grace. Mm. That's what grace is 
is. There's there's no um, leveraging here. One of the things I want to get across in the book, guys, is Jesus proved in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he proved in flesh and blood that grace is not one color in a rainbow of God's attributes. That's true in one sense. But if you read a systematic theology text, you might not feel the grace of God in Christ proven in flesh and blood in the four gospels. Grace is who God is. It's not morally lax. There is law. We can talk about that. But what God is, the Puritans would say God is a fountain of love and grace, a stream like coming out of the top of a mountain, a river runs down and it never runs dry, is flooding our realities as we stumble our way through life. Mm. So, you know, Dana, as you talk about that, I'm picturing you as a yeah. husband and as a dad. You have five right. kids right. who are tearing up your house right now, probably. <laughs> Right? Thank you, Dave. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, we're, you we're, just left him alone maybe the first time without a sitter. Is this true? He's as old as 16. That's doable. You got it. They Dave, got I it. told you grace is wild and chaotic. That is actually what's going on at home right wild now. No chaos. doubt. <laughs> but, but my thought is, you know, as you yeah. talk about this grace, and as I read through even General Lonely and Surprised by Jesus, it's like yeah. this beautiful just like you said, rainbow of Jesus. Do you live that as a dad, as a husband? If Stacy walked in right now, she'd say, that's my husband. That's that's who he is. He's a grace-filled, grace-giving man. Well, those are two different questions. If Stacy <laughs> walked in here right now, she'd be far too generous because she's a gracious woman. Do I live that? No. Mm-hmm. Nope. I am as much in need. I believe I was born again when I was six years old. 37 years ago, lying in my bed as my dad tucked me in in Des Moines, Iowa. Mm. I am as much in need of grace today, more as ever. We become believers and then we're going through life and we're getting better. Mm. I mean, in some way, that is true. We are growing in godliness. We want to grow in godliness, absolutely. But I feel more acutely my selfishness and pride and sin and wretchedness now than ever. Mm. So I feel my need for the grace of God more than ever. I really want to embody the grace of God in my home, Dave. So I want to. I long to. But (laughs) the very fact that I don't means I need his grace to help me to do that and to forgive me for the many ways that I don't. Let's define grace. Yeah. What is it? Grace is being called into the principal's office. and, And we'll say your dad is the principal. And you know he's at his wit's end with you. And you actually did throw that rotten tomato at the lunch lady. You did it. This is not like you're being framed. And you walk in with your drooped shoulders, full of shame and guilt. And he walks over to you, lifts your chin up and looks you in the eye and sweeps you up in his arms. And he says, I just want you to know nothing will ever change how I feel about you because you're my child. You just screwed up big time. We're going to talk about that. But the wraparound category for our relationship, the big, what is most true of your life and reality is you are safe. You're safe. You're invincible. Um, Grace means that because Jesus Christ lived the life I should live, but don't and died the death I deserve to die, but now don't have to. Therefore, God is not meeting us halfway. He's not saying when you begin to get your act together, when you have a good week, then let's talk. 
Grace is because his son plunged down into death and rose triumphant into resurrection life, and I'm united to him, and therefore that fate becomes mine. I am totally free, and I can hold my head high and walk through this life forgiven, safe, and I like to say invincibilized. Nothing can touch me if I'm in Christ. So so when you hear that, I smile because I think, why do we struggle so much to understand that and and receive that? Oh, my. You know, there's a little phrase in Galatians 3 where Paul says, all those who are of works Hmm. are under a curse. Not all those who rely on works, do works, who are of Of. works. Like, it's, Hmm. it's what's in your spiritual DNA. Guys, what the fall did in Genesis 3 is it twist, it hardwired us to be moving through the universe with a law mindset. We know we should measure up. We know we don't. And if we can just keep sort of doing better, then that will improve how we are doing in God's sight. And uh, we are spring-loaded to think that God assesses us. His smile grows based on tied to, tethered to how we are doing. We are wired. I mean, you said, you, Dave, you grew up and what you heard was law. Sure, unless we are scandalized, unless we are defied, those natural intuitions are defied, a pastor, a preacher will preach law. He might use words like Jesus and Christ and cross and grace, but the tone what we're smelling when we're sitting in a pew listening mm. is, I better do better this week. It's fear. Yes, fear. That becomes the motivation, mm-hmm. fear and guilt. Yeah. Well, as you were talking, when I think about the grace, and I think I went into that principal's office after throwing that tomato, yeah. the first time I would think, wow, that's beautiful grace. Right. If I've done that 20 times, <laughs> then it feels like I shouldn't be forgiven. Right. And that's what I think a lot of us think. The first time we can understand it. Yes. But when it's over and over, we think, I don't deserve it. I Surely he will not continue to smile upon me because my sin is so great. Yes. And that's because you and I naturally and think that grace is actually niceness and leniency, not grace. If end of Romans 5 into Romans 6 is true, if that's really in my Bible, where sin abounded— Grace hyperabounded, you could translate the Greek. Sin abounded all the more. So um, sin was running really fast. Grace kept outpacing it. Mm. Grace isn't like a mountain, like a reservoir of cash. And every time I sin, a few dollars get pulled out. And I just better hope I make it to death before that thing runs dry. Rather, every time I sin, the logic of grace is that mountain of cash grows. It gets bigger. I'm that safe. Because Christ took care of it all. So again, there's no leveraging and I'm not meeting God halfway. I'm receiving. He's not negotiating with me. I am receiving. I'm letting my defenses down. It's incredibly hard to do. Mm. To let my defenses down and let God love me. That takes a lifetime to begin to learn that. Well, I mean, it leads me to ask the same question Paul asked in Romans 6 yeah. is, okay, if that's grace lavishes upon us, then isn't it a license to sin? I mean, what is it that keeps us or doesn't keep us from thinking, oh, I have freedom now. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going right. to take this baby to the hilt. Yeah, a couple of things. One is, if I am enslaved, like I'm in a Mediterranean slave market, 
And a, a rich merchant comes along and sees me in my abject misery and captivity, and he purchases my freedom. And he takes me with him, and we walk a, a little, you know, around a bend in the road. The, the, the slave market is no longer in our sight. And he says, okay, you're free to go. What I will say to him is, I can go anywhere. He'll say, yes. I'll say, then I want to go with you. Yeah. Because I've been touched by love. I've had the kiss of grace, and I want more of that. That's the logic of how the New Testament coaches us into transformation. It's you, you are that free. You're that free. We're melted, not crowbarred mm. into change. <laughs> and then the other thing I would say, brother, is what's Paul's answer in Romans 6? His answer is, how could you go on living in sin? You're now one with Christ. You've been united to him. This is not a cool and cold and calculating transaction. He didn't write me a check. He's made me one with him. So what could I do but be changed and transformed? And so the, there, there's many biblical answers to be given. The main thing I would want to say is we are not transformed by uh, trying harder effort. We're transformed when we realize just how safe we are, even when we are not trying harder and we feel like we're not getting transformed. It reminds me of Paul saying he's a bond slave to Christ. Mm, right. I remember Bill Bright. Do you remember he always said that? Mm. I am a bond slave of Christ. Yeah. And then I remember reading or maybe hearing of what a bond slave was, that they would freely, as you said, Dane, yes. like say, and they would have a yes. handful. Do you know right. what that Through is? Through the ear, yeah. Yeah. Right. Their ear was pierced with basically a nail. Right. And they would say, I will follow my master for the rest of my life. And I remember yeah. getting on my knees saying to Jesus, like, I want to be your bond slave. I will follow you the rest of my life. Because when you understand the greatness, yes. the goodness of his grace, where yes. else could you go to receive That's that? That's right. That's right. And we're going to be slaves to something. And I mean, we can, let's say I want to pursue career, wealth, money, and extravagant weekends. I'm a slave to that. Hmm. That's not freedom. But that will never fulfill me if I get it or forgive me if I fail it. Jesus Christ does both. This is the best of all possible masters. Yeah. He will forgive me when I fail him, grace, and he will fulfill me when I get him. It's a win-win <laughs> with him. We can't lose with him. That's so good. <laughs> so, you know, how do we go from that understanding, and you mentioned it in the book, to becoming a Pharisee? And you say it isn't uh, that we yeah. right. we have to recover. We are no, Pharisees, right. and we judge yeah. Pharisees. I guess that proves we're Pharisees. But how do we get there? Oh my! If if a preacher gets up and says to you, "I'm going to give you five ways to avoid becoming a Pharisee," <laughs> run. <laughs> <laughs> um, the question is not how do you avoid becoming a Pharisee, but as you've just said, Dave, how do we grow out of the Pharisee we all from the womb are? It's just, it's this addiction to law that we are in a twisted way uh, hardwired toward. And uh, the only way out is what we're talking about right now. Here's the challenge we have right now with our listeners. Oh, Dave and Ann are talking with Dane about the grace of God. I already know that. Hmm. Click, go on to the next thing. If they were talking about superlapsarianism versus infralapsarianism, well, maybe I'd like to learn something about it, or maybe not. <laughs> Grace of God, I got that down. Hang on a second. If we are thinking to ourselves, I know the grace of God, let me move on to the next thing. That's proof we don't know it. Actually, that's Phariseeism at root. Hmm. We need to understand that our life is the engine, the power to our life as a Christian disciple is surprise. 
not mainly gratitude, in my opinion, not mainly effort, not mainly just feeling something, but it's actually surprise, being startled afresh 10,000 times in the Christian life. That is what changes us, and that is what helps us to step out of this <laughs> Pharisaism that we are born in and have such a hard time seeing in ourselves. You know, it's interesting as I hear you say that, Dan, I think that mom of mine that yeah. dragged me to church— Yeah. That as a young boy and even as a teenager just resented her rules and, yeah. you know, I didn't have a dad, but she was, I look back now and you, you know, and she was a grace giver to me. Hmm. Oh, and I absolutely. think one of the big motivations for me to turn to the God that she wanted me to follow to the gospel was her grace. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, I messed up so many times in high school yeah. and there was law. I mean, there were rules yeah. and they were good ones. Yeah. But overwhelmingly, I felt her love and grace. Like, I, nothing you can do will ever change. Amazing. So, Dave, did that create a category in your heart, then, that horizontal grace, for maybe there is vertical grace? I mean, maybe maybe this is a little glimpse of what God is oh, like. totally. You know yeah. what he was? Mm-hmm. You were invincible because mm-hmm. your mom made you feel like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, dude, you're not that amazing, but you're, you felt confident <laughs> because of your mom's love and grace in your life. And what would it look like for us to feel that confidence? That word invincible, hmm. that's a weighty word. Yeah. You're listening to Dave and Ann Wilson with Dane Ortland on Family Life Today. Dane's going to explore more about that word invincible in just a minute. But first, his book is called Surprised by Jesus, Subversive Grace in the Four Gospels. And we'll send you two copies as our thanks when you partner financially with us at FamilyLifeToday.com. That's one copy for you and one to give away. You can get your copies when you give at FamilyLifeToday.com or by calling 800-358-6329. That's 800-F as in family, L as in life, and then the word today. You know, if you enjoyed Dane today, you won't want to miss the 2024 Love Like You Mean It Marriage Cruise, where he will be one of our speakers. I know that seems like it's far away, but it'll be here before you know it. Our biggest sale is happening right now. Join us next February in the Caribbean with many of your favorite Christian speakers and artists for a romantic week you won't forget. You can learn more at FamilyLifeToday.com. All right, so what's all this talk about being invincible? Well, let's get back to Ann and Dave's conversation with Dane Ortland. When you use the word invincible, that's calculated. You, you're using it purposely. Absolutely. We're all going through life feeling so frail. We are mm. feeling vulnerable looking over our shoulder, wondering what's going to happen next. Am I about to have online fraud drain all my funds? Am I going to lose my reputation? Am I going to torpedo my life through some really stupid sin of which I am totally capable? What is going to happen? Oh, hang on a minute. If I'm in Christ and it's all on terms of grace and it's not at all about a little bit of contribution from me on the table, this has to end well. God has to use whatever is going to unfold in my life for my good and radiance, ultimately. So I want to live my life that way. I want to be that kind of dad. 
I want my five kids to leave the house at age 18 and whatever else they have picked up from me. And I'm screwing up left and right, as I already said to you, Dave. <laughs> whatever else. They're like, you know what? If I walk with God, if I hand myself over to him, this has to end well. This is a life of blessing. This is an invincibilized existence. That's what I want them to experience. Not, not go through life, as you said earlier, and fear. Mm-hmm. We are terrified. Mm-hmm. We are terrified creatures, us human beings. And uh, the grace of God is um, mutually exclusive with living, operating by fear. So, okay, how do you take what you learned and start showing grace practically? Well, join us tomorrow as Dave, Ann, and Dane Ortland tell stories of how Jesus did it and how we can do it too. That's tomorrow. We hope you'll join us. On behalf of David Ann Wilson, I'm Shelby Abbott. We'll see you back next time for another edition of Family Life Today. Family Life Today is a production of Family Life, a crew ministry, helping you pursue the relationships that matter most.